This is a Federal News Network podcast. Federal leave and time off policies can get mighty complicated. At the IRS, both managers and line employees have had trouble sticking to procedures for family and medical leave and for absence without leave. Enough so that the commissioner asked the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration to look into it. For what they found, the director of TIGTA's Management and Exempt Organization Business Unit, Carl Ailey, talked with Tom Temin. The objective of the audit was to determine whether the controls were sufficient to ensure that leave taken by IRS employees was authorized, appropriate, and properly approved. And in general, the, there's automated controls uh, that prevent a lot of uh, erroneous use of leave or, or from employees taking more leave than, than is authorized. And managers' knowledge of the leave policies uh, prevented overuse of the most common types of leave. Uh, but there can be improvements made when documenting and improving leave requests, particularly less common types of leave, like the Family Medical Leave Act and uh, certain other types of leave that, like, for example, leave that was provided in response to COVID-19. Because you mentioned that for some of the other types of leave, such as accumulating uh, 80 hours of non-paid status and so forth, those are generally okay because the system detects when people have accumulated what they're entitled to, and then, then if they try again, the system won't let them. Yeah, that, that's correct. So if you're in a leave without pay status uh, for over 80 hours, you shouldn't accumulate new sick leave or annual leave, and system controls prevented that kind of thing from happening. There's also restrictions on the number of hours you lose or you can use, uh, like, for example, for sick leave uh, to care for family members and the uh, Family Medical Leave Act have limitations on the number of hours you can use in any 12-month period. Generally, managers' uh, knowledge of that prevented overuse. But you looked at, say, 50 cases you pulled, and uh, I want to ask you what judgmentally sampled means, but you looked at 50 cases for FMLA, 44 of them did not follow the right procedures for requesting or approving. Uh, What exactly happened? So we pulled uh, 50 judgmental because of the complexity. They, they required extensive review. Um, in, in cases, uh, many of the cases, employees would request leave over different periods of time throughout the course of the year. So it became complex to look at each case. Uh, but what happened was of the 50 that we selected, out of roughly 7,000 or so employees who took FMLA leave between September 2018 and October 2020, which is just over a two-year period, 44 of the 50 had missing or incomplete documentation. Uh, For example, medical certification is required in cases where there's a serious medical condition, and some of the requests were missing that medical certification. And what was happening was the guidance governing the Federal Medical Leave Act leave was unclear and inconsistent, and managers um, weren't used to dealing with that on a regular basis, which led to human error. Got it. And with 44 out of 50 of those judgmentally sampled cases, that's a pretty high percentage of 88, actually, percent. Do you feel that that percentage is projectable across everyone that tried to or used FMLA in that period? Well, it's because it's a judgmentally selected sample, we can't project it to the population. Uh, but we did see widespread uh, missing documentation. So there was concern. Uh, that there was uh, missing documentation pretty widespread. And in some cases, documentation went missing altogether. That's correct. Sometimes there was no documentation. And why is that? Or That doesn't sound like it's proper procedure either. Again, there's inconsistent procedures. So um, the directions to employees in, in the Internal Revenue Manual 
and separate guidance issued by the Human Capital Office didn't always agree. And, for example, there's uh, the Internal Revenue Manual says that the uh, leave can be requested verbally, but that can only be invoked verbally. The documentation needs to be subsequently provided, but it was unclear that that was necessary. It sounds like this is all an issue of training and people's understanding of the rules and maybe pulling in the involvement of HR people when the manager doesn't know all the details more than people trying to act nefarious. I would say that that's, that's fair. Managers that we spoke with, and we interviewed 19 managers during the course of the audit, all believe that additional training would be beneficial uh, as it relates to leave policy. Even though the IRS had issued guidance on, to administer the leave, the managers would need to be proactive about going and finding it. We're speaking with Carl Ailey. He's director of the Management and Exempt Organization Business Unit at the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. And you also found issues with people that were away without leave. And I guess my understanding of that term is if you are AWOL, you're already in violation of policy. What was the issue with AWOL employees? That's correct. AWOL is uh, a conduct issue. And over a 27-month period between September 2018 and January 2021, which, uh, again, about 27 months, uh, there were about 11,000 IRS employees who were charged AWOL on at least one occasion. About 8,800 of those employees did not have a documented AWOL conduct issue, uh, including over 5,000 who had three or more offenses. In addition, there were 3,000 employees who were charged AWOL in excess of one week, including more than 1,000 employees who were AWOL more than four weeks, and 139 employees who were AWOL more than 25 weeks. And what can we infer from that? I mean, the, the bigger numbers are a pretty fair percentage of the entire IRS population of about 80,000, 90,000 employees, if I last I checked. So what, what, what do you draw? What's the inference from all of this? Well, again, this was a, a confusing uh, policy related to the use of AWOL. There was some language uh, that was different than what the guidance is from the Office of Personnel Management uh, in so much that managers may have been confused that AWOL uh, was not a conduct issue, but instead, uh, in order to take a disciplinary action, it would be uh, another aggravating offense would be necessary. Um, Again, this was due to the unclear guidance. So what could have happened is managers were unclear that thinking that just putting an employee on AWOL where they're in a non-paid status was the punishment, but really the manager's guide for penalty guide um, provides the, the penalties that should be administered for AWOL, and, and just putting an employee on AWOL is not the disciplinary action. In other words, if the employee is on AWOL, they could come waltzing back anytime they wanted and just resume getting paid, or so they thought? Well, we didn't get into that <laughs> on, on this audit. <laughs> but uh, yes, there, there were a number of employees who did not have um, a conduct issue. And we, and we referred uh, the 12 employees who had the highest AWOL charges to the IRS. In some circumstances, Employees that are on AWOL may have legitimate reasons. For example, they're waiting for medical documentation. Um, so for the 12, there were three employees that had valid reasons, uh, but nine of them are now re being referred to the uh, labor relations for disciplinary action. Got it. So what are your recommendations after looking at these particular types of leave issues? 
We made six recommendations. Um, ensure the guidance for requesting and proven Family Medical Leave Act is clear and consistent. Review the delivery me methods that uh, are available for the guidance and other resources to approve and administer the leave. We had two recommendations related to document retention for Family Medical Leave Act because what happened was the IRS was destroying the records for FML leave for the employees who had left the service, uh, but they were supposed to keep them for three years regardless of whether they left the service. So we had two recommendations about changing that policy. Uh, a recommendation on AWOL guidance and clarifying that AWOL guidance is, in fact, uh, a conduct issue. And to conduct focused audits on leave types that are complex or may expose the IRS to risk. And then, really, then it sounds like some training is needed here. And even though it wasn't a direct recommendation, it sounds like when managers that have some function for tax administration are dealing with employees in this manner, they should really call in HR uh, to make sure that they're doing things in the, in the correct way. That, that would be helpful. That's, the second recommendation relates to the delivery methods available for the guidance because the Human Capital Office does have guidance available for managers to, to research uh, when, have, when they have questions about administering this type of leave, uh, but they have to dig for it again and, and have to be proactive about finding it. So that, that's why the recommendation on delivery methods, if there's a better way to get this information into the manager's hands so that it's available when they need it. And just a final question, does it appear to you that the, I mean, a lot of this data gathering was done before the pandemic drove everybody to telework, and although some of it overlapped in the telework COVID era, do you feel that that event, the pandemic and the forced telework, made things a little bit more difficult in administering all of the policies for HR? The audit didn't really consider whether or not there was differences during or before the pandemic, there was different periods of time depending on the leave we looked at. Uh, the audit spanned, as you said, from both before, the earliest was September 2018, and we looked up through January of 2021. Um, we didn't contemplate whether or not COVID uh, impacted the number of hours or, or any problems. There was, again, there was a lot of missing documentation throughout 80 percent uh, for the, the COVID-19. We did look at specific uh, leave policies and leave options that were offered in response to COVID-19, like emergency paid sick leave, but we didn't try to break it down to before pandemic or after pandemic. Carl Ailey is Director of the Management and Exempt Organization Business Unit at the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. We'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. You can hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.